Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Fringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcast without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. Then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Thanks for joining in at Dark Fringe Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Will Martinez. Episode number three. Thanks for joining in. We made it. Sorry for the delay. But we're back on track. A lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Mainly, the fight of the century. We're going to get, talk about that with a, a buddy of mine. And uh, kind of get into the ins and outs of uh, that particular fight. And that's kind of not normal of what we talk about here, but what the hell, I wanted to talk about it anyway. Also, we're going to talk about Jim Mars passed away. We're going to talk about his uh, life and his career and the things that he's uh, contributed to the conspiracy theory world. It's a lot of good stuff. Also, the Dogman stocking Skinwalker Ranch. So, we'll get into that. And then also, at the end, uh, I'll get into a movie that you shouldn't watch. My God, it was a horrible movie. I'll do a movie review for you. I'm not even going to tell you the name, so you're going to have to wait. But I can tell you, I wasn't pleasantly surprised at all. Don't forget to follow us on our social media. On Twitter, at Dark Fringe Radio. And uh, again, sorry for the delay for the last episode. I know um, I took a couple weeks off there. Had a little bit of delay. I had a lot of things going on with my 9 to 5. So um, again, uh, I apologize for the delay. But we're back on track. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about the uh, McGregor-Mayweather fight that's going to be coming up. Um, actually, uh, as I'm recording this, it'll be on Saturday, um, August 26th. And uh, it's going to be the fight of the century. And um, I'm going to get into a little bit of about uh, a little bit of a conspiracy theory about that particular fight and what I think is going to happen. Um, we'll get into all that here in a second. And uh, again, uh, we're going to speak about Jim Mars again. Uh, you know, what a loss to the conspiracy theory world. Um, you know, he, I mean, he inspired, you know, the movie uh, JFK uh, and, and the slew of other things that he's done. I mean, that's just part of his career. But, uh, you know, we'll get into all that. And um, like I said, later on, we'll talk about a movie review. That was uh, pretty fucking horrible. Jeez. But, um, yeah, we'll get into all that here in a second. Again, it's uh, Dark Fringe Radio. You can catch us on uh, Twitter at Dark Fringe Radio and our website darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Uh, leave me any comments or suggestions uh, that you may um, you know care to leave me. So,
All right, people, we're going to jump right into this, and uh, we're going to get into um, Jim Mars. If you guys don't know Jim Mars, uh, Jim Mars is a um, an icon in the conspiracy theory world. Um, he uh, basically authored the book Crossfire on the plot to kill Kennedy, and uh, that basically inspired the movie JFK that Oliver Stone did. Um, he died of a heart attack Wednesday at his house in uh, Wise County. And um, Mars, that was 73, he worked on the uh, Star-Telegram um, as a reporter between 1968 and 1980. Um, he did just write about JFK stuff and conspiracy theories. He also authored a lot of books about UFOs and population control. Um, he also taught courses about the JFK assassination and UFOs at the University of Texas at Arlington uh, before he retired in 2007. In an article in 2003, the Star-Telegram article, Mars said lawyers, teachers, and even official with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission had taken his classes. Quote, they, like myself, had a natural and, I think, a healthy questioning attitude about this, basically what he said. Uh, what I tell people is, is I don't come here expecting me to have all the answers. Um, but Mars left no doubt that he believed that humans weren't only the only intelligent life in this universe. Uh, there's definitely something out there in the air, he said, uh, but I don't think there's anything to fear here. Uh, Mars was born in uh, December 5th of 1943 in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, he earned a degree in journalism from North Texas State. Uh, now it's known as uh, University of North Texas, and attended the Graduate School of Texas Tech University in Lubbock. Um, in his most recent years, he, uh, he's been a fixture in the overnight talk show of Coast to Coast, um, and I'm sure you've heard, uh, with uh, Nuri. And uh, he also appeared on Alex Jones Infowars many times as well. His wife, Carol, said they met on a blind date while going to college in Denton, and uh, they basically have been inseparable since then. She was quoted as saying, "As I remember how funny he was. I don't think about the conspiracy part. Although he was an excellent teacher, his mission in life was to pursue the truth. While he was known um, for all his publications, Mars was also an avid Civil War reenactor and a World War II history buff. He had his own cannon, and on the uh, 4th of July, we would fire it off, Carol Mars said. You could do that when you live in the country. But uh, he was also a pacifist. He didn't believe uh, we should be in wars unless you were defending your home. Uh, amongst his books were Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, which uh, basically reached the New York Times uh, paperback notification bestseller list. Other titles included um, Alien Agenda in 1997, uh, Ruled by Secrecy in 2000, uh, The Terror Conspiracy Revisited 2007, The Rise of the Fourth Reich in 2008, The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy 2010, our Occulted History, which I uh, read and really good um, read there, 2013, and um, Population Control, 2015, what, that which is his last book, which was The Illuminati in 2017. So uh, survivors include his two daughters, Catherine and Lafitte, and James Castle, as well as three grandchildren. Uh, private service was planned according to Alexander Midway's funeral home in Springtown, but Carol Mars said that his family is planning a gathering at their Wise County home next month. So very sad to hear about uh, Jim Mars, and uh, may he rest in peace. And again, a lot of uh, contributions to the uh, conspiracy theory world. All right, guys, our dogmen stalking Skinwalker Ranch. On Saturday, June 4th, 2011, at about 9.30 p.m., Rihanna Smith and Blake Bagley and their young infant son were driving north in 6500 east north of Fort Duchesne, Utah, near Skinwalker Ranch. Um, on their way to a friend's house for a quiet get-together. Uh, they were approaching a corner. Uh, without a nowhere, a panicked cow burst from underneath um, an undergrowth and ran directly in front of their car. Uh, Blake hit the brakes, but it was way too late. The car hit the unfortunate cow head-on. Suddenly, the car lights 
picked up on a large wolf-like creature approximately six feet tall that ran on two legs into the road next to the prostate cow and continued running across the road in front of both astonished witnesses. Skinwalker Ranch investigators separated both witnesses and interviewed them individually. Uh, both describe a tall creature that had uh, the head of a sh- and shoulders of a German shepherd or wolf with dark brown or black long hair. The beast was running very easily and rapidly on two legs and passed within a couple feet of the cow as it laid on the ground. According to both witnesses, the creature was originally heading east to north, west, in an apparent pursuit of the cow. But once the headlights then abruptly turned and ran southwest into the darkness. The couple promptly called the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the BIA responded to the scene. The damaged vehicle was towed from the scene and Skinwalker Ranch investigators confirmed that the incident was recorded in the BIA blotter, although it was not assigned to a report number. Uh, the couple were cooperative with the ranch researchers and brought to them to the scene of the accident. A large stain was seen on the west side of the road and multiple pieces of clear yellow and black plastic were recovered from the vicinity. These pieces were consistent with the grill and front of the couple's damaged vehicle. No evidence or unusual footprints were found at the scene. This case, if taken on its own, would inspire skepticism in most people. However, beginning in 2008, dozens of cases involving dogmen walking on two legs were relayed to Skinwalker Ranch investigators. Consider another case that occurred within a stone's throw of Skinwalker Ranch. Sometime during the month of October 2008, at approximately 4 o'clock p.m., Lamar Oaks and his 16-year-old son Craig were out in the backyard of their property that directly abuts the Skinwalker Ranch. Both carried 30-30 rifles, and they were targeted practicing. Their pit bull was browsing nearby, and a movement about 60 yards north of their location in a ravine with a creek caught Lamar's eye. The animal was dark-colored, with which looked like a wild dog or coyote, and both ranchers became concerned about an attack on their chickens, sheep, goats, and other livestock. Lamar and Craig took aim and fired, and both were certain that one shot had hit the animal. Then things became bizarre. Instead of the animal falling over, it stood up on its hind legs, looked deliberately at the astounded pair. The movement, according to Lamar, was intentional and graceful. Both eyewitnesses had a clear, unobstructed view of the animal. Both described a thin coyote or wolf-like creature with long, coarse, reddish hair with regular dog-like paws. The hind legs were angled and curved, and Lamar described the front legs as retracted towards the chest like a kangaroo. The creature also had a long, thick, bushy tail. Both men again raised their rifles, and the animal suddenly ran swiftly northward towards the creek. The pit bull took off in pursuit. The creature ran on two legs like a human and was able to outpace the pit bull. Both father and son confirmed that the creature did not hop or jump like a dog, but ran like a human. The creature crossed the creek, and as Lamar and Craig approached the ravine, they could see the dogman disappearing into the group of Russian olive trees. The Skinwalker Ranch personnel conducted an investigation and thoroughly searched the area and separately interviewed both father and son over many months. Neither story had changed over time. Both were certain that one of their shots had hit the creature. Between 2008 and 2011, Skinwalker Ranch investigators created a grid-like pattern around the ranch and methodically began interviewing neighbors within a couple-mile radius, fanning out from the property. Over that three-year period, they accumulated dozens of eyewitness testimonies of anomalies, including a large number of independent sightings of upright coyote or wolf-like creatures, some seen at night, but several were seen during the day. 
Investigators tried to rule out eyewitness collusion by showing up unannounced at neighbors' houses without calling first. This tactic was designed to limit neighbors calling neighbors or witnesses preparing their stories. The dozens of eyewitnesses' stories collected to, between 2008 and 2011 were remarkably consistent and all described an upright, wolf-like, or dog-like creatures within the close proximity to Skinwalker Ranch. Interestingly, over 600 anomalous incidents gathered on the 480-acre Skinwalker Ranch property itself from 1994 to 2016. Very few described the dogman phenomena. It is almost as if the dogman stalked the outskirts of the Skinwalker Ranch without necessarily invading the perimeter of the property. Readers of The Hunt of Skinwalker are familiar with the concept of a wide variety of anomalies cataloged on Skinwalker Ranch property, including the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, UAP, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, Discarnate Voices, Hauntings, Unidentified Orange Holes, through which craft could be seen flying, Poltergeist Phenomena, Cattle Mutilations, Dog Killings, and a wide variety of assorted bizarre paranormal episodes. Only a tiny minority of ranch reports involve sightings of dogmen, but one earlier report described in a hunt for the skinwalker took place in Fort Duchesne. A small village located a stone's throw from the ranch is so bizarre as to defy belief. A security officer told investigators that a few times humans with dog heads were seen in the middle of the village of Fort Duchesne smoking cigarettes. Keller and Knapp described this incident in Hunt for the Skinwalker, as the figures he, the security officer, described are so unusual, so far outside the concept of reality as to almost be comical, like something out of a Saturday morning cartoon. Yet famed and UFO investigator Ted Phillips, in his investigations of the Marley Woods UFO hotspot in southern Missouri, also encountered a bizarre tale of dogmen smoking cigarettes. Regardless of these quasi-comical stories, a central thesis of this article is that the dozens of eyewitness reports of dogmen stalking the Skinwalker Ranch only came into the attention of Skinwalker Ranch investigators in late 2008, early 2009, about four years after the publication of Hunt for the Skinwalker book. The NIDS investigations of 1996 to 2003, which also involved interviewing several dozen of eyewitnesses around Skinwalker Ranch, never turned up any reports or evidence of dogmen. Famed local UFO celebrity Joseph Jr. Hicks has also been collecting reports of anomalies since 1951 from locals in the Unital Basin. Hicks was a science teacher at the local Roosevelt High School when he first began to hear reports of UAP in the Unital Basin. Hicks soon established a reputation for integrity and the ability to keep confidential information to himself, so local inhabitants began to relay reports to him. Over the years, 1950 to 2017, Hicks, now a spry 90 years of age, has received several hundred, maybe over a thousand reports of anomalies throughout the Unitaw Basin. The majority of the reports comprise of nuts and bolts, flying machines of unknown origin. However, even Junior Hicks is not even exempt from the reports of enigmatic dogmen. Hicks recounts a bizarre case of two young women encountering a dogman at a graveyard near Roosevelt several years ago. The creature fits the classic description of the animal seen in the vicinity of Skinwalker Ranch. The women became frightened by the menacing wolf-like animal standing up on two legs, gazing silently at them, so they hurriedly got into their vehicle and sped off. Both women were terrified to realize that the creature was running on two legs close to the car and, even more terrifying, appeared to be able to keep up with the vehicle. 
This bizarre drama continued for several miles after the dogman veered off into another direction and was soon lost in the darkness. It was only when Skinwalker Ranch investigators began to look around the ranch that it became obvious that the dogman phenomenon was not confined to rural Utah, but in fact it was a national epidemic covering dozens of states. Ex-newspaper reporter and author Linda Gottfried has collected scores of eyewitness testimonies from the eastern part of the United States. Her book, The Michigan Dogman, is recommended reading and describes dozens of dogmen walking or running on two legs in the Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Virginia, Maryland, Wisconsin, and in other states. What is the explanation for the apparent upsurge in dogmen sightings around Skinwalker Ranch, as well as in the eastern part of the United States? There has been a sudden upsurge of magic mushroom ingestion around the Skinwalker Ranch and around the eastern U.S., maybe? Have people always encountered dogmen in these locations and never reported them, but now feel that there's more permissive environment into which uh, to report these events? It is no secret, when the hunt for the Skinwalker was first published in 2005, thousands of copies were purchased in the Utah Basin. Did the bizarre material documented in the book somehow lead to a greater social acceptance for coming forward and openly talking about dogmen standing on two legs? Whereas previously, Utah Basin inhabitants kept mum out of fear of ridicule or worse. Or are the latent, deepest, darkest fears of people in the rural areas of the country suddenly coming alive and manifesting as dogmen or werewolves? Are the dogmen stalking the outskirts of Skinwalker Ranch and other states an expression of long-suppressed fears of monsters in the Utah Basin and elsewhere in America? I guess we'll never know. So um, a lot of crazy stuff happening at Skinwalker. There's always been some type of crazy phenomena happening there anyways. Uh, but this just adds another one to the list of many, many f- crazy phenomena that happens uh, in that particular area. Oh, DARPA, DARPA, DARPA. DARPA announces new funding for a high-resolution implantable neural interface. Yes, I did not. Um, this is not something I'm reading out of Popular Mechanics of maybe 2053. This is 2017. I'm reading this to you now. Um, DARPA's announced uh, that it awarded contracts to five research group and one company as a part of its neural engineering system design program. That sounds very ominous, if you ask me. Uh, the six organizations have set up teams to work on the fundamental research and technologies for the neural engineering system design program to achieve its vision of high-resolution neural interfaces that can restore human senses, and enhance them. Four of the research groups will work on vision, and two will work on the hearing and speech. DARPA announced last year that the main goal of the Neural Engineering System Design Program is to the creation of systems that can be implanted into the brain and provide a precise communication between the brain and the digital world. The brain-machine interface that DARPA envisions will convert the electrochemical signals of the neurons in the brain into the ones and zeros of the digital world, and do so at far greater scale than has been achieved before. Such an interface will allow us to treat damaged senses such as hearing and sight by directly inputting digital signals into the brain. The NESD program looks ahead to a future in which advanced neural devices offer improved fidelity, resolution, and precision sensory interface for therapeutic applications, said Philip Alvelda, the founding NESD program manager. By increasing the capacity of the advanced neural interfaces to engage more than 1 million neurons in parallel, NESD aims to enable rich two-way communication with the brain at a scale that will help 
deepen our understanding of that organ's underlying biology, complexity, and function. We also want to make it something that any of us would ultimately be interested in having implanted in our bodies. And so part of the challenge is not just miniaturization, but it's managing things like power and packaging and how do you take it and wrap it in a material that is hermetic and non-toxic and can be sealed to be implanted for long-term use. But having gone through some of these high-level calculations, again, with the DARPA hard program, we believe it's possible to find tidy little elements that if you want to interface to the motor cortex at extreme resolution, we can build something that you could inset in your skull. Perhaps later it could be less invasive, but initially, to be able to see clearly, we need that access. You want to look at your vision or stimulate your vision system, we believe we could put implants in that area, Uh, and of course, whichever part of the brain you want to be interfacing with. We believe, just like the computers had a modem that abstracted that communication function, wherever you want information out of the brain, we can build a generic part that has a high-precision neural interface, and within it, some common parts. Whatever that neural interface turns out to be, whether it's electronic contacts directly in touching the surface of the brain, passing through a ceramic coating, there's still going to be you know, the equivalent of the Bluetooth data I.O. system, the coil for receiving power, uh, the packaging and passivation that has to be sealable. Um, other variations that might be optical and imaging uh, could be built with planarized optics and, and, and work in the same fashion. But regardless, there are these common modem components that we believe it is possible to build and scale. Philip Avelda says that while interfacing with one million neurons sounds like a lot, he notes that a million neurons represents a minuscule percentage of the 86 billion neurons in the human brain. Its deeper complexities are going to remain a mystery for some time to come. But if we're successful in delivering rich sensory signals directly to the brain, NESD will lay a broad foundation for new neurological therapies. Significant technical challenges lie ahead, but the teams we assembled have formulated feasible plans to deliver coordinated breakthroughs across a range of disciplines and integrate those efforts into end-to-end systems, Alvelda said. I don't know, man. Sometimes biohacking could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just not sure at this point what it is yet. But anyways, um, Kane Hodder, that's a name that you may or may not know, but he's the man who's behind the mask of Jason Voorhees, the uh, iconic serial killer in the Friday the 13th film franchises. And um, he has a new documentary coming out. It's about his life. And um, it's it's been getting rave reviews and there's a uh, a new trailer that's come out and i believe the film comes out this saturday um, august 26th at a film festival but he basically goes on to say i've murdered more people on film than any actor in history uh, kane hodder may often play a monster on the screen but if you ever met him you would know that he's one of the nicest guys on the horror scene uh, the legendary actor stuntman's life and career will be explored in masterfully macabre's upcoming documentary to hell and back the kane hodder story premiering fright fest this month ahead of the premiere the official tra- uh, theatrical trailer has been released the in-depth documentary includes interviews with kane hodder Bruce Campbell, Bill Mosley, Cassandra Peterson, Sid Haig, and Danielle Harris, just to name a few. To Hell and Back is a harrowing story of a stuntman overcoming a dehumanizing childhood filled with torment and bullying in Sparks, Nevada. After surviving a near-death burn accident, he worked his way up through Hollywood, leading to his ultimate rise as Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th series and making countless moviegoers forever terrified of hockey masks and summer camp. 
After decades of watching Kane Hodder on screen, get ready to meet the man behind the mask to Helen back a uniquely human story about one of the cinema's most vicious monsters. The Fright Fest premiere takes place this Saturday, August 26th in London, England. Yeah, I'm really excited to see um, this um, documentary, and I'm really looking forward to taking a look into the you know life of um, Kane Hodder. Uh, very interesting individual, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, looking at this film. Kane. 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 He's the Jason, as far as anybody who knows what they're talking about with Friday the 13th. Goes. He stick the character's head in liquid nitrogen to kill him. But then he smashes it on top of that. He is the epitome of Jason, goddammit! The sleeping guy killing part seven. It's pretty creative. He was a good, imposing character. And I think just someone that you remember becomes an icon. Everybody knows him, and he's synonymous with horror. I was on fire for 44 seconds. Set some kind of records at the time. What happened to me was so horrible that it wouldn't even be allowed in a movie. I talked to this reporter, and she said, let's do a story about the local kid that's making his way in the stunt business. You know, I'll give you some pictures, and if you want, I'll do a fire stunt for you live. I was getting ready to light myself and completely burst into flames everywhere. The thing that people don't understand unless you've been on fire is that when your head is in the flames and you can hear your hair burning and you can feel your face burning and your ears burning, you run. We got in her Jeep. We said, we got to get somewhere to get some help. As I walk through the house, there's a little girl sitting on the floor playing and she was terrified. It's bad enough, you know, being burnt, obviously, but all the other things that went wrong, the doctors who didn't know what they were doing, the, his father saying don't give him any pain medicine for it, I mean, just, it couldn't have been worse. But the burn injury made me a far more empathetic human being in general. I'm so drawn to him because he's such a great person. The nicest, kindest men and women are the ones that play these killer monsters. I was wearing my hockey mask and we were like eyes to eyes. I did what Kane does, I um, did that heavy breathing where he like lifts up his shoulder and tilted my head a little. He smiled at that, I think he thought that was cool. Kane has a reputation of really being fun with the fans, they love it. See, he gets it, the fans are the ones that are really important. Kane put his hands on mine and started squeezing really hard, and I realized, oh my God, Kane choked us. It did feel like you're a part of the movie. How many pe people can catch a woman who's running away from them and put your hands in her mouth and rip her head apart? Now that's creative. He is the one, the only, and the best. Everybody else can even compete with him.
Welcome back, everybody, to Dark Fringe Radio, and uh, we're going to get into this segment. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, the fight of the century. Everybody's talking about it. It's the biggest subject uh, uh, that everybody is just going crazy over. It's going to happen in less than a week, um, next Saturday night, August 26th. Um, the biggest fight of the century. I actually have uh, my best friend here on the line as well, Jay Galosi, and uh, here to talk about you know what he thinks about the fight and a lot of you know, go back and forth about some of the things that's happened um, you know since the fight has been announced and all the way up until now. A lot of shit's happened, uh, so we're going to get into that. Uh, Jay, how's it going? No damn paradise, my man. Well, it's good to hear from you, man, and thanks for coming on. The reason I brought you on because um, you know you know growing up, me and you, we've. Um, been a you know fans of boxing mixed martial arts everything you know under the sun you know any kind of combat sport and so i thought of nobody mm-hmm. else better to you know bring on you know um the you know the show to talk about this especially you know you have you know um your um you know your experience in wrestling and that you had in high school and um you know all that stuff so yeah. you know, i thought i'd bring you on and you know we can talk about all this stuff because there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened since the beginning and at first, I never thought the oh, yeah. fight was going to even happen. First off, I thought it was going to be bullshit. So, um, you know, that was my first take on it. What did you, what did you think when it got first announced? Uh, you know, as soon as they started talking about it, I figured there was just too much money for it not to happen. There was no reason for Mayweather to not take it because he's going to make just that much more money. Um, you know, really with nothing to lose. Right. So, you know, and, and McGregor coming out trying to make a statement, I wasn't surprised that. McGregor came out and said that he wanted to. Nobody's been able to really beat uh, Floyd Mayweather, and everybody wants to see him go down. And Conor McGregor, kind of a, the the attention of where he is, great promoter. Both of them, great promoting things. It was just too much money. Yeah. So the second it, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. The sec, no, that's right. So the second I heard it was actually going to happen, uh, that's when, you know, you start wondering. Okay, well, is it, are they going to do it? And and the ring, are they going to do it in an octagon? What gloves are they going to use? And you start thinking about the, all the differences. And a lot, a lot of people like to put combat sports kind of together, um, you know, mixed into one lump. But really the differences between MMA or UFC and the differences between boxing are astronomical. I mean, really when you break it down, there's a lot of differences between the two sports. So I was curious to see what they're going to do, how they're going to make it work. But... I was excited to hear it, even if just for no reason aside from the, the circus of stupidity that they put themselves through promoting this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when they um, – the biggest fight up to date prior to that, um, as far as pay-per-view numbers and all that, was the, of course, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, which was obviously everybody was – it was a big disappointment. Everybody was pissed off about that. Um, you know, nobody liked, <laughs> you know, the outcome and how it all worked out. Um, and so there was a lot of people that were just pretty much, you know, pissed off, you know, since that, that, you know, that fight, I didn't think there was going to be another fight that was going to be able to top that number, but I'm really thinking this is going to be the one when the fight was first announced, Mayweather was a huge, um, favorite, obviously, I think it was like 
minus 2200 in Vegas and now it's down to like 300. So obviously the odds have compressed a lot more since the beginning. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that's happened in, you know, since the beginning till now that's kind of, I think, have moved the needle a little bit more to Mayweather. Or actually, I'm sorry, Mag- McGregor. Um, and I sent you that link earlier about that um, mm-hmm. that uh, Samarian video with Pauli Malinaji. And um, what did you think about that that video when, when you saw it? I, I think it really, it showed, from what I saw, it showed kind of how, McGregor was uh, is definitely rudimentary. He he's he's got that that boxer's chance of the the puncher's chance. You know, you saw that he he definitely hits hard. He definitely makes contact. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is obviously uh, you know something that's been you know kind of crazy that's come out with that video with Pauli Malinaji and you know, like you said, it was rudimentary. But you like you said too, he was connecting. He was connecting, and you know. To me, I don't know. I don't know. Would a, would a guy throw a would a guy intentionally throw a a training video fight? Would, would you know? What do you think? I don't think a guy would intentionally throw it. I, I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that's what's going on. It, no, it really is boring. I don't believe that. Um, Paul Manaji. I know I'm mangling his name, but I don't. I he's in there sparring. Mm-hmm. He's doing what he's being paid to do, which is give McGregor a basis before he steps in the ring next Saturday against Floyd Mayweather, who is, by all accounts, the greatest defensive boxer of all time. Right. Uh, because he's the most defensive wrestler, uh, not wrestler, excuse me, boxer of all time. Yep. Uh, that's why the guy's undefeated. You know, defense wins championships, and that, that rings true in football as well as it does in boxing and basketball and pretty much everything else. Right. If you have that solid sound defense, which Mayweather is all about, that's why that's how he wins. Well, that's also why his 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 boxing matches are usually so boring. That's why Pacquiao was a big disappointment because everybody thought Pacquiao was gonna bring it to Mayweather and Mayweather defended. Yeah, that too and, and also Pacquiao had a bum fucking uh, shoulder, which also, you know, a lot of people were pissed off about, which actually I don't know if you know, there's actually a class action lawsuit against him because of that, because he didn't disclose it. So there's actually a lot of people, you know, sealing his ass because of that. But long story short, um, you know, getting back to the to the fight here, like you were saying, on on Mayweather's side, yeah, he has he's the best defensive boxer of all time. He's the best. I mean, I think he's been hit hard maybe seven, eight times in his entire career. That's nothing compared to some of these other boxers who've been mangled in matches, you know, who you know get hit more than that in one fucking round. You know what I'm saying? So Right. We, right. So now that's the that's the argument on the boxing side. On the the argument on the MM side MMA side is this. Conor McGregor comes in with these awkward angles and everybody is talking about these awkward angles that he comes in at. Because MMA boxing is different from traditional boxing, because you can't, the stances are different, you, you know, you can't lead in like you can, like as a boxer in an MMA fight, because you would just get taken down the whole time. So you have to, yeah. you have to adjust your, your, your stance. So the boxing is different in MMA. A lot of people are saying on the MMA side that Floyd Mayweather's never seen anybody from coming from these angles before. So this is going to be very difficult. And also he's not going to be able to find anybody um, that is going to be able to, to replicate that as far as a sparring partner. So what do you think about that? Well, I mean, yeah, I've heard all that about the, about the angles, and 
the angles in, the, in a, MMA are a lot like in wrestling, you know, and, and it, really if you look at it, they're semi-similar where in MMA it's an octagon and on a wrestling mat it's a circle. And really what you're trying to do is you try to move to cut off that other half of the circle. You don't want you never move backward, you always kind of move forward. If you watch those MMA guys, they never move backward. They move side to side, whereas boxing, they do move backward. So I understand the awkward angles they talk about with uh, McGregor having that kind of advantage. Right. Uh, and while, yeah, nobody's going to be able to quite replicate it to the level that McGregor can, mm-hmm. I guarantee I guarantee Mayweather can find somebody, right. especially if money's right, to get in the ring and box him with their MMA style of boxing. Mm-hmm. But from what I saw, from what I've seen in any sparring video I've watched, from what I've seen in everything, it kind of takes me back. Uh, and this is kind of how I look at it. It's, there's a history to boxing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an ongoing evolution. That's why it's called the sweet science. And you have guys like Jack Johnson, who was the first black heavyweight champion, and, and Jack Dempsey, who, you know, was the first champion to wear gloves. Right. He won it first one bare, bare knuckled, and then they went to gloves. Right. Their styles were so rudimentary. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm going to hit you hard enough in the head that eventually you're going to fall. Yeah, it was more of like war, well, of, you, war of attrition, basically, back then. Right, yeah. exactly. That's what I think McGregor is. He can hit you hard, and he's got that boxer's chance. He, he, by all accounts, could step in, hit Mayweather. I mean, Mayweather's also a little bit older than he's been. This is, you know, he said this is going to be his last one. That it's, that's it. McGregor's got an opportunity. He's the best opportunity I think anybody has against Mayweather to go in and knock him out. Yeah, I if think... it goes too long, though, mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah, it's all it's it's a win win situation for McGregor. I think you know I think Mayweather has more to lose in this situation than than McGregor has to win. I think um, so. Yeah, definitely. I think that plays into McGregor's favor. And you know, you mentioned as well that Mayweather is coming off of retirement. He's been out of the ring for two years. You think that's going to play a factor at all? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, he's a seasoned vet. Mm-hmm. He's he knows what he's going into. He knows how he has to prepare. He knows how, how he, what he has to do. The thing I think is most interesting, the thing I'll be mo- most interested to see when I watch it, is how Floyd Mayweather, how, how Mayweather fights this fight for a few reasons. Uh, like I said, he's, he's a defensive boxer, one of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has said that he's going to go out and try to bring the fight to McGregor. Uh, you know, boxers are some of the most machismo kind of guys there are Mm -hmm. so one could think that theoretically he's going to go in to try to prove that boxing is better than mma and there's no reason why mcgregor should have thought for half a second he could step in with mayweather knowing that mayweather is the the pinnacle um but on the adverse we've seen this before we've seen this exact fight before maybe not between a mcgregor and a mayweather whether mm-hmm. between your boxer and your puncher, you go back to, um, and I mean no disrespect to Roberto Duran, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest of all the greats there could be, but he's a guy that goes in with that knockout power, and then you have Sugar Ray Leonard, who's a, more like a Mayweather, more defensive, more dance around, more kind of hits you a lot at the end, big flurries to get the points and win by attrition. Right. That Mayweather's very similar in those facts, and if you look at the very first time, Leonard and Duran fought Duran's fight. He went to him. He was angry. He had 
felt personally slighted, and he wanted to knock Duran out, forgetting that, A, Duran had a great chin, and B, Duran had hands of stone. Right. Now, speaking of hands of stone, yeah, well, we know what happened. But, but speaking yeah. of hands of stone, the um, one thing I wanted to mention, the Boxing Commission, they just okayed um, for them to have 8-ounce gloves. So they're actually going with the lighter glove. Uh, the, the traditional 12 ounce, which is the big, you know, pillows, basically, they look like big pillows mm-hmm. for those little guys, you know, uh, but these are going to be actually a lot smaller. You know, this is going to be a lot less traditional. Um, do you think that's going to favor McGregor or is it going to favor Mayweather? Now, remember, Mayweather also has somewhat brittle hands. He's broken his hands a couple times in the past. So, you know, that may play a role. But what do you think? Well, I think first of the science of it um, as well. Yeah, there, there's some more padding in a boxing glove than, say, an MMA glove, um, really, because they're a little bit heavier, mm-hmm. that's going to add momentum to McGregor's punches. So, actually, McGregor will be punching harder than he's ever punched. The question is, will he be able to make that four-ounce jump, and how is that going to affect his stamina? Mm-hmm. Whereas, on the flip side, for Mayweather, I feel like that only enhances him because they're lighter than what he's used. And, well, yeah, he's broken his hand, so, okay, so he breaks his hand, but then what happens? He's still in a fight. So now he definitely worked back to defensive boxing, comes in, hits only when he has to, as much as he needs to win the match or win the, the round and go forward. So it'd be a point scoring match basically at that point. Well, that's it. Right. If McGregor cannot knock him out, it's going to come down to scoring points. And that's where Mayweather is going to win. So I think the, because the gloves, the difference between the eight ounce glove and the four ounce MMA glove, as far as the physics of it, an MMA glove is more focused. And you're going to get more cut with it, but the actual damage that they do, a boxing glove will do more damage, but it's just spread out over a wider area. Right. So, so again, this gives McGregor a better chance to knock Mayweather out, which is the that's how he's going to win. He's going to win by getting that shot, that that one shot that we all want to see where Mayweather goes down and he's dazed and he's confused and he gets that 10 count because I don't, I don't think. Yeah. He's going to have the dirty box and catch him with like some kind of surprise uppercut or like a left hook out of nowhere and catch him by surprise like that. Which he's he's capable of doing. And if you were want, like if that, that video you sent me that that, uh, I had watched him sparring, Mm -hmm. if you look, he's landing his punches, he's connecting, but there was one point where, uh, the, his his the partner kind of came in, and he was kind of punching him over the top of the back of his head. Right. And that's not going to work. Right. So again, you see one reverting back to his rudimentary MMA style, whereas that's something that Mayweather's not. He's not going to let him do that. And, and that's not going to that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. It's not going get, to get you anywhere with Mayweather. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, because Mayweather will do the same damn thing right back to you. You know, that's how he is. So, yeah, we've seen it before. Um, But, yeah, you know, that's it's it's interesting to see where it's gotten to this point, because, you know, there's been a lot of trash talk between the two. I mean, those fucking (laughs) those press conferences were the best, you know. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, they were great. I mean, just the trash talk between the both of them. It just got so and it, it got progressively worse. You know, the first one was like, oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. And then, then the second one was like, fuck, you really pushed the envelope. And then the third one was like, Jesus, I can't believe you said that shit. You know what I mean? It's just it, the insults got to a high, you know, a very high level. Do you think McGregor got the better side of it? I think he did uh, when it came to. You know, I think I think when it came to the trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. 
McGregor definitely out-talked Mayweather. He, he definitely, you know, the crazy Irishman did as we all expect the crazy Irishman to do. <laughs> uh, he went out, he put on a spectacle, he was brash, he was brazen, he was verbally abusive, he was funny. All things you that. need, all things you would expect to see. Right, of course, of course. And Mayweather, Mayweather was a little bit more subdued than we've seen him. He was a little bit more, not apprehensive, but he was a little bit more um, subverted because he. I think he was caught I off really guard. Think, Do you think so? I think he was caught off guard. I don't see. I don't think. I don't think any of that. I don't think he's been caught off guard with any of this. No, you don't think so? No, I really think because again. The one thing we've seen from both May- Mayweather and McGregor is that they know how to promote a fight. That's true. Okay? That's true. And, and the one thing that boxing and MMA have missed is one thing that professional wrestling, WWE, WCW, NWO, all that had over them was the entertainment. Yeah. It was really the entertainment value. The you know, promo. that the promo. Hulk Hogan ripping off his shirt and, yeah. You know, yeah. they yell the, the screaming rhetoric of some roided out muscle bound behemoth talking about how he's going to go in. What are you going to do, brother? Like, right. that's what boxing and MMA have missed. Well, what do you have here? You have that spectacle to that level between arguably two of the most dangerous human beings on the planet. You're right. They took a page right out of you know professional wrestling. They had to. And uh, to promote this fight, I mean, and you had you have Mayweather, who is a decent trash talker, but McGregor, as you said and you stated earlier, is a you know a very profound trash talker. And he, you listen to his stuff, the stuff that he says, it's right out of professional wrestling. It's shit that Ric Flair has Absolutely. said a thousand times. It's stuff that you know any good Absolutely. talker uh, that's ever talked on the mic, you know, as said, you know, something you know half the shit that he says. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before. But, you know, people in MMA, they're like, holy shit. How you? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I've heard that, you know, I've heard that promo before like 30 years ago, Ric Flair. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Exactly. But they're, exactly. they're hearing it for, for the first time. I'm waiting for him to say styling and profiling. <laughs> I think he's actually said it before, you know, just maybe his Irish accent, you know? By <laughs> styling and profiling. Exactly. Style. <laughs> so listen, let's, um, I have a clip here. Dana White, he was um, talking about the fight here and uh, they gave, they got his latest perspective about what's going on here. We're going to take a quick listen here. Let's listen on and we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll go back and forth after. Yeah. When you're sitting there August 26th and you're watching this fight unfold. Are you hoping for anything? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm hoping for Conor McGregor by knockout. Conor McGregor is my guy. Normally we do fights. Everybody's our guy. That's not the case on the 26th. And the beautiful thing about this fight and what makes this fight so big is there's people who say this is an absolute joke. It's ridiculous, and this fight shouldn't happen. I love those people, and I love that perspective. Then you have the boxing guys that are like, Floyd Mayweather, this guy's never boxed. Floyd Mayweather's going to destroy him. Then you have the UFC people who are like, Conor McGregor hits like a truck, and he's going to knock him out. That's what makes this fight so great. Is there a worst-case scenario for the UFC in terms of how this fight could go? I don't know. I, I, I mean, if you look at this fight, right, I say it all the time about Conor McGregor. This guy is... Amazing. He'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And in life, I don't care what you do in life, there is no reward without taking risk. And now he's going to go in and box with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, okay, so worst case for UFC, he gets knocked out first round. That's probably worst case scenario, right? 
really, what's the fallout for it, though? All right, so he goes in and gets knocked out in the first round. Everybody says, ah, ha, ha, I told you so. But where's the loss? Right. He still gets the money. He's, he's going out of his comfort zone to box. He's stepping up to a Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, who, again, has more experience in boxing, has more experience. If this is a street fight, McGregor runs hands down. But I don't think it takes two minutes. No, absolutely but not. it's not. It's, it's a boxing ring. He's in Mayweather's comfort zone. So I think as far as a big loss for the UFC, the only thing that would be a loss, the only negative they really have going into this mm-hmm. would be if something were to happen so detrimental to McGregor that it affects his UFC career. Yeah, that's I never thought about that perspective. But, yeah, that, that that's a pretty interesting point. Because they're all going to make their money. I mean, that's that was what all that sideshow circus promotion stuff was about. And, you know, McGregor grabbing Mayweather's backpack. And that's what it's all. It's, it's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. And they're going to make it hands down, fist over hand, as much as anybody has ever made in either of the two sports. So, I mean, really, what's where there's no there is no downside for either side, except for the simple fact that McGregor still has a lot of money to make for UFC. He has a lot of money to make for himself at UFC or with UFC. So if something goes in, if he goes in and something so detrimental happens that it affects the remainder of his career or even slows it up a little bit, there's money lost there. There's momentum lost there. That would be the only downside. But, again, I I don't see that happening because I don't think Mayweather – Mayweather hasn't knocked anybody out for six years. Right. He hasn't. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not that guy. No. And he's much smaller than, than McGregor. I mean, he would have to really catch him, you know, with a really good punch. And we've already seen McGregor take a really good punch from, you know, multiple times from Nate Diaz and, you know – Nate Diaz is probably just as strong as a puncher, just as bad as anybody out there, and then with smaller gloves on top of it. Um, and he's eating those punches, you know, you know, day in and day out. So, yeah, I don't see him going down with any kind of punches that, you know, Mayweather may, you know, throw his way. But um, interesting point that you made earlier, and I wanted to touch on the fact a lot of people are talking about the money situation in this whole thing. Obviously, there's a lot of money that's going to be thrown around here. Vegas, you know, has the odds where they're at now, 300 right now for, uh, for uh, Mayweather. And uh, I think it's 400 for um, McGregor. So it does, mm. it does, those, are, those are pretty interesting odds. They've, they've compressed a lot since the beginning, and there's a lot of money going around. They say that McGregor could probably clear close to over $100 million after this fight. That's a lot of fucking money. Now, a lot of people are speculating that he may retire. He may never actually step into an octagon ever again after this. What do you think? I don't see it happening. No. I think I think even if McGregor goes in and just kicks the snot out of Mayweather, which I personally am hoping for, right? Uh, I am rooting for McGregor all the way, one hundred and ten percent. I want to see him just go in there, and it's for every conversation I've had with every guy that tells me that a boxer will beat up a wrestler, and he, you know, hands down every time. <laughs> for it, it's the simple fact that Mayweather is just a deplorable human being. It's all these things, right? But I don't see him stopping his fight game because, A, he's at the top of it right now. He is at the height of his career. And even if he makes $100 million, billion, gazillion, trillion dollars, he's going to come back because, A, he's the champ. He's got the belt. Why, would, why wouldn't he? And it's just like anybody. You get so good at something. You might as well keep doing very it. Right? Few guys, very few guys walk away at the top because they love it so very much. Yeah. 
no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think he'll retire. Even if he wins, I don't think he'll retire. You know, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that he wins, loses or draws, he retires, but I don't see that happening. He's a fighter. He likes to fight. You know what I mean? He gets, you know, that's his thing. That's his eye. So, you know, that's, yeah. yeah, I don't see him doing that either. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's his life. That's his life. Exactly. Exactly. Let's go back to that interview with uh, Dana White and um, see what he had to say about the fight again. The best case scenario for us is he knocks Floyd Mayweather cold. He'll, he'll, it'll be the biggest upset in the history of any sport ever in the history of the world. We knew I was an A-side. That's why this had to come to the boxing ring. What do you do with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. That's it. We know Mr. Tapo like to quit. The Mayweather. You're going out on your face or you're going out on your back. I'm going to knock him out inside four rounds. <clears throat> Mark my words. What are your final thoughts? on the Fucking four rounds, he says. <laughs> I don't think ever in our lifetime you will see better mental warfare. What went on there is as much a part of the fight as the fight itself, and it was great. Two of the best who've ever done it, doing it against one another from two different sports. You'll, you'll never see anything like that again in our lifetime. Whatever Connor said to Floyd, vice versa, it all gets fixed in a fight. Did you ask Connor, as just a boxing fan, what his strategy is to beat Floyd Mayweather? I, I stopped out in Connor McGregor a long time ago, and he's got a serious fight IQ. Uh, he knows what he needs to do, and I leave that up to him. Conor McGregor is a good counterpuncher, MMA style. We're talking about a defensive genius with Floyd. This fight goes two ways. Either Floyd Mayweather runs around and, and, and does his style of fighting and defense and tries to stay away from Conor and not get hit. Conor will go right after Floyd Mayweather and will try to knock him out. That's Conor's style. Then there's the other side where Floyd thinks that Connor is so weak at boxing that he comes right after Connor. Speed kills. He tries to use his speed and actually tries to knock Connor McGregor out. So at the end of the day, this is an event that everybody wants to see. It was built by the fans and the media, and I truly believe that it will be a good fight. Yeah, that's pretty serious, man. Pretty serious. We got this fight coming up here. There's not been another fight, like I said, as big. Do you think there'll be a sequel to this? Do you think there's going to be another one? I'm not between Mayweather and McGregor. No? You don't think so? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think win, lose, or draw, Mayweather is going to walk out of this thing so satisfied with himself, even if he loses. Because even if he loses, he's going to make crazy money. And, again, there's no downside for him. All right, so he loses. What, what is it? He can go back and then... You know, you don't think that's gonna fuck with his ego. That, you don't think that's gonna fuck with his ego though, just a little bit, just to know that that one little notch was that MMA guy that came in from MMA and fucked him up. No, because it wasn't. He's gonna go back and say the two the two things that he's already starting to say, which is, first off, he's older and slower. Right. He's gonna say, uh, you know, if he tries to bring the fight to to McGregor like Dana White was saying, and McGregor catches him, uh, he's gonna say. You know, I didn't fight my way of, of fighting because I felt like, you know, I had to go out there for the fans and because mm-hmm. and, they were so disappointed with the Pacquiao fight. I wanted to give them something more exciting, and I got caught, mm-hmm. which might be true. Right. And, or, and the final thing is going to be that he, you know, with the difference in gloves and this and that, it wasn't really your traditional boxing match. He's still going to be the greatest boxer of all time, and McGregor's just going to be the greatest MMA fighter of all time. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that could be it. That certainly could be it. And, um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting thing to, to, to see unfold. Um, you know, the whole spectacle, spectacle of it, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Uh, let's get your prediction right now. I'm putting you to the fucking, to the wire. What's, what's going to happen? Let's hear it. Mayweather's going to win. Mayweather is going to, I'm rooting for McGregor and my, right. my wife yells at me all the time. She says, you can't root for one and think the other's going to win. But right. in all reality, uh, I, I, I think Mayweather's going to go out he'll start off kind of aggressive mm. and then he's going to revert back into his defensive postures and stylings. Mm. McGregor's going to have trouble hitting those big hits within the first six rounds. Mm. If it goes past six, there's no way in hell. No McGregor way. McGregor will, will he'll lose because he he just doesn't have that kind of stamina. He hasn't built up those those years and years and years of knowing what to expect come round ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Uh, you know, whereas Mayweather does. So I, I think that's what happens. I think Mayweather ultimately wins. By numbers, I don't think he's going to beat McGregor. I just think he's going to outlast him. Yeah, hey, listen, that's a very, very safe bet to have. And and if you're a money guy, that's the money you know way to go. I mean, I I'm with you on that. I'm just for argument's sake. I'm going to go the other side, man. I'm going to go with McGregor inside four rounds, just like he predicted inside four rounds. Because <laughs> outside of four rounds, like you said, he ain't got the gas, man. He doesn't. He hasn't fucking. He doesn't know what it is, like you said, to go past round 10 in a fucking boxing match. We've already seen what's happened to him in a five-round match when he, got, when he went against Nate Diaz in that last match. He was basically running from him, and that's, that was with four-ounce gloves because he was fucking exhausted. So we already seen what it yeah. looks like, what he looks like at round five in the championship match. And if it wasn't for – if that if that fight would have had one more round in that fight – McGregor would have lost that fight because he was just done. He was done in that last round. So we know that he can't last past five rounds in an MMA fight. God knows what will happen, you know, in a boxing match. Like I said, if McGregor, I'm going for McGregor inside four because outside four, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying, that's why I ultimately say Mayweather because I don't see Mayweather letting McGregor get anywhere near him for the first four or five rounds um, because as much Money as McGregor stand, or as uh, Mayweather stands to make with this whole thing, and as much as he says he wants to go out there and prove something, he has nothing left to prove. There you go. All he's got to do is go out, fight to win like he always does. He'll win. He'll make his money. He'll walk away saying, "I told y'all, yep. told you that's what was going to happen." Yep. yep. And you know, it, it'll he'll suck because, <laughs> like I said, I'm rooting for McGregor. I want I want to see McGregor knock him out in four. I want to see I want to see McGregor hit him and then go run around the ring and do flip kicks and but it's not going to happen. <laughs> and you're saying no to any rematch, right? No, no to rematch. I don't see any rematch happening, at least not between these two. No. Now what I do think this is going to do is it is going to open a small window mm-hmm. um, for others, other great MMA and great boxers because boxing is dying. It is. Boxing as a sport as a whole, it is dying because at this point, it is becoming far too much of an elitist thing to watch, and it's nowhere near as exciting as MMA. MMA is easier to watch. It's more entertaining. It's more attainable. It's it's more watchable. Yeah, it is. Uh, and that's that's ultimately why, unfortunately, I hate to say it, I, I think boxing eventually will somewhat fold into something kind of like the UFC. Um you know, where it's not quite as sweet a science. It's it's going to start to, there's been an evolution. Now there's going to be a de-evolution. Yeah. And 
you know, but I think what's what's going to happen is that there's going to people are going to see there's so much there. There's a possibility to make money, you know, for both boxers who are trying to get some notoriety and UFC fighters trying to kind of do the same to go from being just a great MMA fighter to being just considered a great fighter. Um, you'll see more fights like this. I just don't think it'll be another McGregor Mayweather. I think after this, Mayweather is totally 110% done. Uh, and as far as McGregor is concerned, who the hell knows what that guy's going to do. You know, like you said, yeah, he has no no issues after this. Yeah, listen, th- there you have it. I mean, those are the predictions. I say there. I think there is going to be a rematch. I think there's going to be so much money thrown at this fight that a rematch um, in a boxing ring, I think, will happen. I think if it'll, I think the only way that it'll happen is that if um, if it goes the distance, if it goes the distance, and it's pretty much an even fight, and you know, just Mayweather, just like you said, just you know, floated around and just avoided danger the whole fight. I think they'll rematch it because it. I think they'll just want to just make more money. I just have that feeling. That's just my opinion. But uh, you say no, I say yes. So we'll see who's right. Uh, so it's a it's a six pack of beer for the winner. You got that? <laughs> that sounds good to me. I agree. <laughs> All right, very good. All right. Well, listen, man. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, you know breaking this down. And um, you know we'll have you on in the future, of course, for other stuff. And um, you know, again, thanks so much for uh, joining us here tonight. No, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to share some of my stupid rambling intellect and what I think is going to happen. I uh, appreciate you having me on anytime. Any- any topic you ever want to cover, you know, you know where to go to. I appreciate it. And we'll see what happens uh, come next Saturday. Sounds good, brother. We'll recap and, and uh, do a recap uh, the week after and um, and uh, go over it and uh, we can talk shit about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it, my friend. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good night. You too. Bye. thanks guys for uh, joining back in at dark fringe radio i appreciate it very much and i uh, want to thank my friend jay galosi for jumping on uh the uh, podcast with me tonight and giving his insight on the fight much love and uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast all right uh, we're going to end the podcast here tonight but as i promised you a movie review before we left and um the movie tonight i happened to catch a couple nights ago and it was the bye bye man and um, i was highly disappointed in this film the Bye Bye Man came out this year, um, earlier this year, I would say March. Of, and it's basically about three college students that move into an old house off campus and they unwittingly unleash a supernatural entity known as the Bye Bye Man, who basically comes to prey upon them once they discover his, discover his name. Uh, the friends basically must try to save each other all while keeping the Bye Bye Man existence a secret to save others from the sem- same deadly fate. Um, there was a lot of just inconsistencies in the movie. Uh, the acting wasn't very great. Uh, there was a, a glimmer of um, coolness with Faye Dunaway. It was a cameo in there, uh, which was great. 
but the overall villain uh, wasn't very scary, and the uh, he had a pair of CGI dogs with him that were very horribly done. It just was very cheesy. Um, waste of time. Sorry. Uh, don't watch this film. Bye-bye, man. One star out of five. So horrible movie. If you um, ever get a chance to see it, don't. And just skip over it because it's going to be a waste of your hour and 32 minutes that you probably will never get back in your life. So let me save you the agony and uh, pain of uh, watching that film. And uh, please, again, do not watch. (laughs) Bye-bye, man. You will be highly disappointed. Well, again, guys, um, thanks for um, joining in another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. You can catch us on our... um, Social media again at Twitter at Dark Fringe Radio. Um, also, website darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Again, it's darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Um, send me any kind of uh, suggestions um, um, at all. We're going to have some more guests coming on the uh, podcast. I know um, I was uh, going to um, do a, pl- a political uh, based podcast, but that got uh, kind of pushed back, and uh, I still plan on doing that. I just don't know when. So um, I don't know when next week's episode is going to be about either, uh, but I do have a couple ideas, and I will be um, dropping that information um, as to the days to come. So uh, we will have a, um, a review after the fight as well with Jay. Uh, so I'll have him back on here uh, soon in the future, and um, that way we could um, kind of dissect what happened and figure out what's going to happen thereafter. So um, be sure to you know stick around for that. All right, guys, thanks again for joining in on another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Um, Next week, we'll have another episode for you on Wednesday on SoundCloud and iTunes. um, So make sure you catch us on both of those avenues um, and also on our Facebook as well at Dark Fringe Radio. Next week, I'll have another episode. I don't know what it's going to be about. I'm thinking it may be about haunted locations here in Florida. Um, That may be the main topic of discussion. We haven't done a full paranormal uh, podcast as of yet, so that may be something that uh, we're going to dive headfirst into. So look forward to that next week, and uh, hope you guys join us again um, that time. Again, uh, much thanks here from uh, Dark Fringe Radio. I'm your host, Will Martinez. Catch you again next week.